what we're doing is we're going through this book in the Bible to find out who Jesus really is. And there's a few interesting things about this guy, Luke, who wrote this book. He was a physician. He was a doctor. And um, what's really interesting to me is he was not a Jewish person. He was a Gentile. So what that means is he was an outsider. He, was, he wasn't brought up the way that a lot of the other folks in the area were. He was, he, he was looking in at Jesus from a, a totally different perspective. And what he did was he decided to write a report for this government official and, and to give him the truth about Jesus. And that's what he was doing. And so he started doing research and doing those things. Well, we're using his research. We're using the report that he wrote that would ended up in the Bible. And, and we're doing it to find out, like I said, about Jesus. Now, just to just so that some of you guys that like to get ahead, if you want to get ahead in this series and the messages this coming week, like starting today and throughout the rest of the week, read book. I mean, read chapter six. That's what we're going to be talking about next week. Will be it'll be in chapter six. So if you read it ahead of time, you come and you've already you've already read it. You're familiar with what we're talking about. It may make the service even that much better for you. So we encourage you guys to do that. Um, the life of Jesus that we looked at so far, and of course, he was born, and then we, we talked about him being baptized by John the Baptist, and then him being tempted by the devil in the wilderness, and then we even last week we talked about Jesus being rejected in his hometown. Well, today what we're going to do is talk about the, the part of Jesus' life and look at it here in Luke where he started to recruit a team, where he started reaching out to find some more people to, to well, talk about God, to share the things he came, with, came for. And uh, this team of people that he starts, reach, uh, he starts going after, he's trying to recruit them, they all have one thing in common, and, and it's a little three-letter word called sin. And, and I'll talk about it in a second and, and you know, tell you what that means, but let me, let me start with this first. Um, I, what I want to do is I want to start by telling you about some sin in Ed's life, okay? And so what I did was I brought this notebook. It's all categorized, and I, let me pick one. Okay, I'm just kidding about That's that. That's the Reader's Digest version, <laughs> Reader's actually. Di- <laughs> we need the Encyclopedia Britannica for that. Um, but really, I'm going to tell you about some sin in my life. So there you go. I know you might say, y'all can gasp, and now my mom is like, oh my gosh, what is he? it's Mother's Day, why are you going to say that? Oh, here we go. There was a time in my life when um, uh, I thought I was better than other people. Now, I didn't realize it at the moment, but that's exactly what I thought. Um, I thought that what I did, you know, for a living was more important than what other people did. I thought that what I was doing was, you know, and by the way, it's when I was like in ministry and church and in pastoring. And so I thought that was more important than, more valuable than uh, what other people did. And, and I, I had that mentality uh, about me. And uh, one day, so let, let me back up. What that does is that makes you arrogant, uh, um, kind of judgmental. Hey, well, I'm more important, you know, than you, and you know, you're you're not as valuable as me, and uh, that's a horrible attitude to have. Well, one day I was complaining to God about someone who had been arrogant and judgmental with me. It was that's kind of ironic because that's exactly what I did to everybody else. But I was complaining about somebody else, and uh, all of a sudden it became just in one instant it became apparent to me that that's exactly what I was doing to other people. And it seemed, on that day, you know, in my life, it seemed like everything else stopped. 
And now I'm, I've come to this realization, this reality that I had this in my life. And as a matter of fact, this is a sinful thing. Arrogance and pride and that, that's all, that is, you know, that's not, those aren't good things. And then it even got worse than that. Um, I realized, all, and this all happened again in an instant, just boom, all at one time. I realized that there, it, was, it was people like me were the reason that a lot of people didn't go to church because they'd been treated, you know, they'd been looked down on or they'd been treated bad. They'd been like somebody had been real judgmental with them or arrogant with them and somebody had treated them just the way I, and, and, I, and that was, that, that hurt because that's not what I wanted, but that's what I had done. And so uh, this piece, this sin in my life, I realized, oh my gosh, this is awful. And I, I mean, literally cried and, and God, I was ashamed. I mean, like, oh, I've done this. And I mean, I had to replay in my mind years, you know. So we're talking a long time. And I didn't like that very much. Well, here's what happened. I, it made me feel bad. And I had, I had thoughts like, well, God, I've, I've uh, I let you down here. I've, maybe I should just quit. May, may, God, you know what? Maybe maybe I just need to not not show my face anymore. Maybe I should do. Maybe I should go somewhere else. I don't really need to be around you and all these good people because I've not been one of those. And 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 so I was ashamed. And now if if I would have let those thoughts keep going, and I would have really just kind of taken action on some of the, the shame and things that I was thinking and going through, it's possible that Ignite Church might not be here today. Can you relate to Chad's story? Have you ever experienced that? Maybe you're actually having a time with God. You're experiencing God's presence. Maybe you're praying, reading the Bible, worshiping here at church or something, and it's really good, and then all of a sudden, you see your sin, and you see where you've blown it, and and this weight of shame comes down on you. You've, you've probably experienced that. Most people have. Well, shame has been happening since the dawn of creation. As long as there have been people who have all been imperfect, there's been sin and then shame about it. And there's stories in the Bible that uh, show us people and God dealing with their sin and their shame. And we're going to look at that today in the Gospel of Luke. As Chad said, Jesus is now about to recruit Men to be on his leadership team, you could say. And we're going to look at how he goes about it. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. So picture thousands of people crowding to get closer and closer to Jesus because the things he talks about, the words he shares are so powerful and they have authority and they're just hitting people where they live. And so they just want to get as close as they can. And so they're coming down there on the Sea of Galilee and now Jesus is backing up. I, I picture him just backing up going, whoa, hey, it's about to get wet here. And then he looks over and he sees a boat. 
And so he, he jumps into this boat and he says to the owner named Simon, hey, push this out a little ways. And so Simon pushes the boat out and Jesus is there. And I can just see the crowd just comes all the way down on the beach, thousands of people. And he continues to teach them there, okay? So let's see what else happens. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon... Both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. What a great scene. Now, remember who these, well, the background of these, of these guys. Jesus, obviously, is the son of God, but in his, as a human, he grew up in the house of a carpenter, and he learned to be a carpenter himself. And here's Peter. He's not like me. You know, anytime I go to fish, it's just luck. You know, I'm not a pro at all. I just hope I don't, you know, get too much sunburn or something. No, Peter made a living. He knew how to fish. He knew this lake. And he fished all night, and they realized there's just no fish in this end of the lake, and so they were washing their nets. And Jesus says, go, go out and drop it again. And put yourself in Peter's position. I'm calling him Peter. It's Simon Peter's it's full name. He's thinking, now wait a minute. You're a carpenter. You don't know squat about fish, Jesus. Come on. Really? I, I can just see him. He's exhausted, and he's like, okay, what? He knew there was something special about Jesus. He'd heard him a little bit. He'd seen what had happened that day. So he goes, okay. And so we read what happened. They had this huge, huge haul of fish. Now, Simon Peter may not have realized it just then, but he has taken now his first step in following Jesus. He obeyed what Jesus said to do, and there was a tremendous blessing. Now, let's see how he reacts to that in the next verse. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you. Isn't that a kind of surprising reaction? I mean, Jesus has done this miracle because he cares, and he wants to show Simon Peter that he cares, and he wants to be involved in his life. And Peter's like, No, no, get away, get away. Well, why was that? I believe it's because he became aware of his own sin. He, he took his eyes off of Jesus when he was doing it, and he realized, wait a minute, this is me he's talking to. I, no, Jesus, maybe you don't know my past, but no, no, I, I'm a terrible man. Get away from me. And people still do that today. Have you ever heard the saying somebody said, well, if I went to that church, the walls would burn down like they're the worst sinner ever, you know? But the truth is we're all that way. We all have sin and, and some shame in our lives. And so instead of pushing people away, Jesus does the opposite. Look at this. People often try to push Jesus away because of their sense of shame, their sense of shame. This is a big deal. We, we see it in people's lives. Most of us experience shame from time to time. And it's a way the devil can keep us from having that close relationship with Jesus. Shame is like a ball and chain. It will drag you down and slow you down as you're trying to follow Jesus. Because you're looking at your sin. And you're, you're thinking, I'm just so terrible. Jesus, get away. Get away from me. But look at what Jesus said. 
Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, notice that Jesus didn't argue with Simon. He didn't say, oh, no, you're not so bad. He didn't go into our modern cultural philosophical relativism that we have today where, oh, well, no, you're okay, I'm okay, nobody's really that bad, there's not many absolutes, it's, it's all okay. No, Jesus didn't go there at all. He, in essence, agreed with Simon Peter. He was addressing him and trying to show him what he wanted to do in his life. He did not minimize Simon's sin, but what he did do is tell Simon there's no need to fear. He's saying, it doesn't matter what your past is, Simon. It doesn't matter what you've done. There's no need to be worried about that because I'm here now and I've got a plan. So Jesus did not come to beat us up for our sin. He didn't come to do that. We can do that on our own. And the devil will pour it on too. He didn't come to pile on us and beat us up for our sin, but he came to save us from it. He came to die on the cross that our sin could be forgiven and We could have his life in us. That's why he came. I love what Jesus did here. Simon's seen the miracle. He he senses how sinful he is, and he's focusing on himself. And Jesus changed the narrative. Jesus said, basically, Simon, I'm not going to argue that you're sinful, but that's not the focus. Here's the focus. I've got plans for your life. No matter how bad you think you may have been, I've got big plans for your life, Simon. I'm going to use you. You're going to be one of my guys. And as a matter of fact, he calls him this awesome phrase. He said, you're going to be a fisher of men. So Jesus had that uh, interaction with Simon Peter. Now let's take a look at the next guy that Jesus walked up on, starting in verse 27. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi, sitting at his tax collector's booth, follow me and be my, and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. Now, um, I, the, the moment I say, we tell you this guy's a tax collector, you probably already hate him. Um, you know, I mean, it, so, but what I want you to do is think about, think your feelings towards the IRS and what you would feel like if they came and told you that you didn't pay enough taxes and they have to take some more. So what would that make you feel? Now multiply that by about a thousand, okay? Because here, here's who this guy Levi was. He was a Jewish guy and he was with Jewish people. Now the, it just so happened that the Romans had conquered the Jews and they were like... Uh, in essence, they were enslaving them. They, they were making them do what they wanted. They were ruling the Jewish people. So this guy, Levi, a Jewish guy, here's what his job was. He, he essentially was a traitor to his own people. He says the, the, the Romans hired him or contracted him to collect taxes for the Roman Empire. And so what he would do is, he would, let's just give you an example. He'd say, okay, look, hey, Bob, uh, you and your family, y'all owe $500 in taxes, but um, I'm going to add whatever I want onto it too. So y'all owe $600 in taxes, and he would pocket the 100 and pay Rome the 500 That's what he did. He was cheating uh, his people. Now, you know, they, the Romans didn't care. They were like, that's fine. You can do whatever you want. You know, and so the, the tax collector could add on as much money as they wanted. Didn't make any difference. So he was, he was a traitor to his own people. His own people hated him. 
Um, you got, so, so think, they despised this guy tremendously because of, what, uh, because of who he was. And I want you to, to notice what Jesus, this is the type of guy Jesus went to. He went to a guy that was hated in society. He was, uh, you know, he, had, he was a cheater. He, he, was, he was a traitor. And Jesus went to him. And he said, hey, he, he didn't come to him with hellfire and brimstone and so you're bad and you're awful and you're doing these horrible things and you're going to go to hell. He didn't do that. He just walked up to him and said, hey, why don't you follow me? Come, 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 come with me. And Levi did. Let's keep reading. So Levi got up, left everything, which is amazing to me, and he followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home. He did this banquet with all the money he had because he had been taking money all this time. And he held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors, so a whole bunch of other traders and Levi and Jesus are all having a party. And uh, the other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. These are the religious people of the day that look down their noses at other people because they weren't as good as them or they didn't think they were. And uh, dang it, I used to be a Pharisee. And um, so they, these guys are, are, are complaining. Who does, what, what, here's what they said. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? I never, I've never called anybody scum, but this guy did. Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners and need to repent. So uh, the, the religious people of that day that thought they had it all together, they looked down on Jesus, they looked down on Jesus' disciples, and what is he hanging out with those, these traitors for? What is he, what is he doing? That, that is that's beneath uh, him. He shouldn't be doing that kind of thing. And Jesus responded, and he said, look, and, and I'm going to give you this in my, this would be my terms, kind of the way I would think it. Um, I kind of feel like Jesus was saying, listen, Mr. Or Mr. Pharisee, I, I don't have time for your nonsense. I came for people that know they need help, and that's who I'm going to help. You don't think you need any help, so you just go on about your business, um, now, Jesus would have helped them too, but they didn't, they didn't realize they needed it. And that's what Jesus was saying. I, came, I didn't come for people that think they got it all together. They don't, I came for the people that realize, oh, I've gone the wrong way. I've, I've messed up in life. I've, I've done some bad things. I need help. That's who Jesus came for. And uh, by the way, nobody in here is perfect, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know you thought you were, but, but nobody in here is righteous, you know, like the, like the Pharisees thought they were. There, nobody, none of us, uh, just, just in case you didn't know that. Jesus came for people like us. Now, here, here's what has to happen. Um, we have to be willing to admit that we're sinners. We have to be willing to admit that we have that little three-letter word in our life. Uh, admit that, oh, I, I've gone the wrong way. And then after that, then we can follow Jesus. I, w- I want to ease, quickly define sin. Sin is meaning you miss the mark. Imagine somebody uh, shooting a, an arrow at a target, and the, they, they let it go, you know, Robin Hood, and he lets go of the arrow, and it totally misses the whole target and flies over and, and like, kills a cow behind the, the hay bales. He missed it. He missed the mark. That, that's what sin is. You miss the mark. 
You, you, you didn't hit what God had for you. You, went, it, you did something else that was quite likely damaging. Well, that, that's, what, that's what sin is. And again, everybody has missed the mark. Um, we, my wife and I, we, we ran a Spartan race. And one of, the, one of the challenges was you had to throw a spear at a hay bale with the target. And I watched people do it. And I was like, okay, I got this. You know, I got this. I got this. And I, there and I threw a beautiful, straight spear. You know, angels were singing as it flew. <laughs> and it went over the target. And I had to do 30 burpees as a penalty. And that, that was the damage. That was, that was horrible. Uh, I've missed the target before. Um, you've missed the target before. So, thinking about our guys, Simon Peter and this guy, Levi, um, they had both missed the target. You know, Simon even said, oh gosh, I'm awful. And um, uh, uh, Levi, if you, if you keep reading the story, Levi's like, look, I've done wrong and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it right. Well, they both knew they had messed up and they both decided they wanted to get it right. That's who Jesus came for. So how, how can this really help us today in 2017? I mean, me and you sitting here, um, I'm not a tax collector and I'm, I'm not a fisherman. I like to fish, but I'm, I'm like Ed. And so how can, this, uh, how can this help us? Well, here I want to tell you. Luke, this Dr. Luke made it a point to include these stories in his report. I'm glad he did because we have them today. And um, here's how they can help us. And by the way, what I'm about to tell you applies to everybody in here that's in the church for the first time. And this applies to everybody that's been in church your entire life. If you're a veteran in church or you're a first-timer, this applies to you, okay? So wherever you're at, or anywhere in between, by the way. First thing, simple. You admit that you got sin. You know, I came to that realization that day with God, and like, God, I've done, oh my gosh, I've, you know, I've, I've messed up, I've gone the wrong way, I had the wrong attitude, or whatever it is. Admit it. That's the first thing. That's the first step. The second one is this. Uh, repent and be willing to turn. And let, me make it, let me try to make it easy. Here's what, oh, again, by the way, this is for everybody that's in church for the first time today, this repent part, and it's for everybody that's been in church your entire life and everybody in between, just in case you thought you were off the hook. Um, you want to repent, be willing to turn. An easy way to think of that is you change the way you think. Like, okay, what I was thinking was this, and it took me down this road. Well, let me change the way I think. I need to go the way God wants me to go. I need to follow God's direction. You change the way you think. It's not just a, oh, I'm sorry, boo-hoo, and, and I'll never do it again. Well, that's not really repenting. That's just saying I'm sorry. But when you repent, it's like, okay, I'm not going to think that way anymore. God, how do I need to think about this? Because that way's not working. That, that's really what repenting is. And there's a, hey, I'm sorry. That, that's definitely part of it as well. We want to put God's way first. And if you don't know what God's way is, you ask. God, I need help. I don't know which way to go. Help me out here. Maybe read your Bible and say, or you can look at, we have so many tools today. And you can look up, you can Google it. What's in the Bible about this? Boom. All right. And you might get some nonsense, but you're going to get a lot of things that are right, too. And you, you can begin to, you know, change the way 
you think. The, last, the third thing is this, you follow Jesus. Once you change the way you think, once you decide that you want to go God's way, use Jesus as an example. Say, okay, uh, I want to I do that. And if you do, you're going to have to leave something behind. Simon Peter had to leave behind being a fisherman. Um, Levi left behind the tax, you know, he left, it, left all his tax collector stuff and he left. Now, that doesn't mean whatever your job is today that if I go with Jesus, I got to quit. No, it's not, that's not what we're saying. We're just saying what, there is something in your life. For me to follow Jesus means I'm going to let go of something else. And that something else is, is what was taking you the wrong direction anyway. I mean, it only makes sense to want to go the right direction. Uh, I, I don't want to leave from here to go to, you know, I'm going on a, a date with my wife in Houston and going to this certain place. And I don't want to go the wrong way because it'll take me forever to get there or I might never get there. I want to go the right way. Same thing in life. We want to go the right direction. So the things that take you the wrong direction, you know, we want to leave those behind and go the right way and think differently than we used to think. We want to go the right direction on our trip. As we wrap up today, uh, I want to go back to that word shame because it's such a powerful thing. We need to really face it sometime and see that if we're focusing on our shame and our sin, then we're not focusing on Jesus. And our relationship with him can be hindered and our lives can be less than he wants it to be. We think of Jesus on the cross paying for our sin, the penalty for our sin with his death, and that's right. But he also took on himself our shame. He has paid for your shame. It was so ugly when he was on the cross that somehow, we're not sure how, but something happened that Jesus had this sense that God turned away from him because he was so ugly with the sin of the world on him and the shame of the world. And that's why Jesus said, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because the sin and the shame of all mankind was put upon him for you and for me. So we could be forgiven. We could be set free from our past and any shame and follow Jesus and have this wonderful, abundant life that he has for us. Y'all stand and we'll pray. After I pray, I want to remind you that we'll have our prayer teams up here at the front, to your right, to your left. We urge you. Come and get prayer today for any need you have in your life. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you took not only our sin, but our shame about our sin upon yourself. You paid for it. It's dealt with, and you want us to just follow you. Lord, it's hard in our humanity. We're like Peter. We look at ourselves and think, I, why? no way, not me. But Jesus, you're saying, just look at me and follow me. I have big plans. So, Lord, this week, let that be true in our lives. Lord, this week, let us focus on Jesus and follow Jesus harder and stronger and with more passion and commitment than ever before. Let us follow you that we would know you and please you and have the life you want for us. Lord, thank you for your love today. In Jesus' name, amen.